chapter 7, verses 14 through 17, you can be found on page 918 in your Bible. And uh, Pastor John and I were discussing Paul's message in, in this reading, how he sort of feeling an inner struggle himself, not really understanding why he was doing certain things, and almost that he didn't have control over his own thoughts and actions. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold into slavery under sin. I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree that the law is good. But in fact, it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells within me. Thank you, David. So uh, many of you know that um, the last couple of years, actually the last six years, I've been working on a book partially about 12-step spirituality and its connection to kind of our Christian faith. And so I'm going to kind of excerpt some parts of that today uh, as a part of our conversation. So let's be in a spirit of prayer together. Let us pray. Oh God, fill our minds with curiosity, holy curiosity, as we hear your word. Fill our hearts with the possibility of being transformed as we listen and think and pray and sing. Fill us with trust in you, God, your leading, your hope, and your love. Amen. From that text... I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Friends, today I want to tell you a love story, a love story about a group of folks in our world, in our families in our circles of love, in our church, who have fallen in love, but who can pay for that love with their lives. The object of their love desire, especially at the beginning of that relationship, often makes them feel happy and blissful, so that whenever they are around that spirit-filled energy, they are on top of the world. Nothing, no one can touch them. This love makes them feel safe, even protected from all the sharper edges of life. But when they are not with their love, all they can do is think about being back with it again. They will often do anything to stay in that loving and love relationship. They will leave behind family and friends. They will give up work and a career. They will lose their reputation in the community, even reject faith in God. They are obsessive in their love, always trying to get more of it to return to the high that they felt when that love first came into their lives. And at some desperate point, they will reach a day when they will not be able to imagine life with that love anymore, nor life 
without that love. Theirs is an obsessive love. Obsessive love. In ancient Greek, the verb for that kind of love is called mania. Mania. As an out-of-control love or love that can possess human beings in ways that are neither healthy nor good. Love that ultimately destroys and does not build up. Love that is self-centered to the extreme. Kind of crazy love. So in this, our summer of love, every other week in worship, we will talk and think about positive forms of love. Love that builds up, love that makes life better, love that gives unselfishly, love that honors another human being, love that seeks a closer relationship with God through Jesus Christ, love that makes the world a better place. But for this one morning, I will be preaching about the only negative love on the list of the ancient Greek verbs that form the heart of our summer worship series. So please excuse me if it's a little serious. So this kind of love, in the words of St. Paul, can drive even him, a saint no less, to do that which he knows is wrong, but which he cannot stop himself from doing, from loving to the point of excess, even self-loathing. So have you figured out what kind of love I'm describing yet? Friends, the love I speak of is the love, the love that an active addict, addict has for a substance or a behavior. It's what I would call love gone bad, obsessive love for alcohol or marijuana, for pills or heroin, for sex or for gambling, for food or even video games, for anything used and done so obsessively, loved so maniacally, that it can supplant every single other love in your life. In the 11 years I've been a pastor at Pilgrim Church, this is the love gone bad that I hear about more than any other pastoral problem or heartache. This is the love that I've seen break apart families and ruin lives. This is the love that I watched take my own father's life and still today threatens to hurt my own family. This is the love that afflicts more than 25 million Americans, an addict's warped love, a mental illness, a disease that fuels our opioid epidemic and kills hundreds of thousands of folks every year. This is the love that touches every family, every neighborhood, every church, everywhere, everyone. Now, I know it may be jarring, odd at first, to think about addiction as love gone bad, as mania, and yet this is the truth of what happens when an addict literally falls in love with their substance or behavior of choice. Then addiction becomes obsessive and destructive. Listen to how the author Caroline Knapp described her alcoholism and her love for alcohol in the book Drinking, a love story. I love the way drink made me feel, and I loved its special power of deflection, its ability to shift my focus away from my own awareness of self and onto something else, 
something less painful than my own feelings. I love the sounds of drink, the slide of a cork as it eased out of a wine bottle, the distinct glug-glug of booze pouring into a glass, the clatter of ice cubes in a tumbler. I love the rituals, the camaraderie of drinking with others, the warming, the melting feeling of ease and courage that it gave to me. Friends, that was her love story. Alcohol was the main focus of her life and energy and love until Knapp slowly but surely discovered her addiction got progressively worse, as addictions always do, and her life got insane, and so she faced a choice. Either she would break up with that love, let it go, leave it behind, walk away through the power and the program of Alcoholics Anonymous, or she would continue to be in love and then slowly but surely die, physically, spiritually, emotionally. Because for her, for millions of other addicts who so need to recover, often the only way for them to break out of their mania is through and with God, a higher power a power greater than oneself, a power even more powerful, their insane love for a substance or a behavior. Find that power and you have a chance for life. You know, friends, I've said this before, but we Christians can learn an awful lot about love and faith and redemption through our addicted and recovering brothers and sisters who one day at a time work with the God of their understanding to stay sober and to love a clean life and to serve others. This is how the psychotherapist Carl Jung describes the power of 12-step spirituality to overcome addiction. In a 1961 letter, he wrote to Bill Wilson, the co-founder of AA. Wilson had written to Jung, the co-father of modern psychology, to ask his advice as to the effectiveness of spirituality in overcoming addiction. And so Jung responded, Alcohol in Latin is spiritus, spiritus, the same word for the highest religious experience as for the most depraving poison. The helpful formula, therefore, is spiritus contra Spiritum, a spiritual experience to counter addiction to the spirits. This formula of the spirit to confront and overcome spirits is directly described in the first three steps of the 12-step program. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Step three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over the care of God as we understand God. You know, friends, most of the time, the gift of love from our God in this life, it is amazing, it is gratifying, it is a blessing, and it makes this life worth living. And love is then all that we need. But sometimes we can love too much, love obsessively, love insanely, Love something, some behavior, some substance, much too much, even more than everyone else in our lives. 
That is mania. That is love gone bad. And so we face addiction, not as some moral failing, certainly not freely chosen by the addict who struggles, not something not addicts should use to condemn or judge the one who just cannot say no. Instead, addiction is love gone bad. And addiction often is a path back to God. To God. As one AA saying goes, God brought me to AA, and then AA brought me to God. So friends, may we love and love with sobriety, with temperance, with hope. And may we pray for and love our addicted loved ones, our brothers and sisters, friends and co-workers, parents and neighbors, spouses and children, the one in the pew right next to you this morning. In their work to love in health, they witness to all of us about a higher power who loves, who loves all God's children, no matter what. Let all God's loving ones say, Amen. Our hymn of reflection is number 351 in the red hymnal, Nearer My God to Thee.